Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So you told me that you had come across some some really great ideas uh, about something uh, that I think all our listeners are encountering all the time, or at least we're, we're telling them to encounter it. We, we keep telling them, talk to executives, talk to the marketing department, talk to the salespeople, talk to the CEO, find out what the real mission is, find out what you're trying to do and conform to that. So if you're in technology or not in technology, in either case, what you want to do is make sure you're signaling what you're going to do. And you said you, you'd found a, a really great example of uh, some thoughts on how to do that. Yeah. I, and it's it's funny how these things tend to come in waves because I, I, I talked to several people and the same kind of dynamics came up multiple times. And it could be this. We, we talked in the past about the value of signaling intent. You know, in fact, I think there's a the article was actually about radiate intent and it used the analogy of, you know, uh, making a turn signal when you're going to be uh, turning when that's your intent. And what, what I, what I was encountering was people would, would hear that advice and say, okay, I need to be telling people what I intend to do, but then they would do it in a way that wasn't wholly effective, uh, in the sense that, uh, they, they, as soon as they would signal their intent, the next thing that happened is that someone would ask them a question and things would kind of fall apart. And, uh, what was happening is they weren't anticipating everything that, um, that they should should have in mind when they go and and share their intent. And I and I came across a, a, a clip, uh, and uh, we'll put a link to this in the show notes. And this is from David Marquette, and it's a one of the really nice kind of sketch note type uh, video illustration that's up on YouTube. And David Marquette, people might know, remember from uh, the book "Turn the Ship Around." where he uh, uh, was a subcommander and got great results by delegating to his his staff and, and really changed the culture of the ship. And I think some really good lessons in that. But in this particular part, this is what we in the link will go directly to about four minutes in about where he's talking about how he got better. And instead of just delegating, he got to the point where he could establish psychological ownership in people. And it's what's interesting here is he's describing this as a commander, what he wanted from people, and he changed how he operates. And I think the key insight for me was he's describing essentially what every leader wants, but won't tell you <laughs> that the, what's what's nice here is he's laying out because what he's, he said is I, I people come with me with their intent and I then say, what do you think I'm thinking? Hey, hey captain, I'm going to submerge the ship. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and so the response is, well, what do you, what do you think I'm, what do you think I'm thinking here? And it, and it, people first were caught out by that. And the fundamental thing was like, well, is it safe? And then so and now people would come to and say, I intend to submerge the ship. And here's my checklist of things I've done to make sure it's safe. And he even went beyond that. Uh, he says that the, the next kind of move beyond just saying, what do you think I'm thinking was, is it the right thing to do? And so that either people are coming now with their plan, with their intent, and actually providing the details that went into why they chose that. And it, it struck me that this is a lot like the um, back briefing we've also talked about in the past. And it's just a different mindset that people can have, which is not just radiate the intent, but also how they got there, be prepared to talk about those things. Because actually the, the CEO, the executive you're talking to, they really want to trust you. They, they want, they're, they're happy that the people doing the work are, are thinking through the right thing to do and coming with the plans and tents. They just, they're looking to be reassured.
And what they often do, is, and this is another, this is sort of a, a flavor of what they won't tell you, is they're doing spot checks. And if you're, a, say, a, a product manager or a, a technical lead, and you're, uh, you, you might have encountered this when you're doing, say, a code review or you're doing testing of a piece of software, you probably don't check every single case, every single possible line of code, every possible way that the software could fail. But you do a few, and that builds your confidence. What this reminds me of is a very, very old blog post. Uh, I, I bet there have been like two generations of developers since uh, Joel Spolsky w and his blog <laughs> were the, the main way of getting uh, advice about software. I mean, we didn't even have podcasts. Can you believe it? But um, way back in 2006, he, he wrote about being having a product review with Bill Gates, who it's very clear was doing this exact kind of check. And the end of the review, after Bill has peppered Joel with all these questions about how Excel works, he was he was building Excel back in the 1990s, and he was peppering him with questions, and he asked, well, what about dates? You know, dates are hard to handle. Data is always challenging. Uh, do, do we match with the main competitor at the time? Do, do we do dates the same as them? And Joel uh, stopped and said, well, we do, except for January and February 1900. And Bill said, Oh, okay, thanks, and left. And what he had done was by peppering Joel with questions, he hadn't checked the entirety of Excel. He couldn't possibly, right? This is massive product. But he had checked enough that uh, he, he had uh, found uh, confidence. He had trusted but verified that Joel actually knew it. And Joel actually learned later from people that uh, it was it, it, uh, everyone always got a question that they couldn't answer. And this was the first time anyone had seen one where... Joel had had an answer for the hardest question. So uh, the uh, advice I think we have for our listeners is when you're going to signal your intent, when you're going to uh, let the captain know what you're going to do, come with your checklist. Be ready, anticipate the sorts of uh, spot-checking questions that you're going to get because that will do two things. One, it will prove to them that it's worthy of uh, that you're worthy of trust, that your your direction is good. Also, it will make you worthy of the trust because you will have actually checked <laughs> the things. So it will have two good effects. And I think, and I think that's that's actually the key point is that you you are worthy of trust when you've put the work in to anticipate what might go wrong, and and you're ready to demonstrate it. That's that's when you're ready for the trust. Before before that, if you're saying, "Oh, you, why don't why don't they trust me? Why don't they trust me?" Have you demonstrated your trustworthiness? The way that you do it is to have gone through the details. Actually, this is I, I, when I was telling one person about this and giving them this advice. I told them uh, a story that I heard a long time ago, but the, the green M and M story, mm. um, which, which people in our audience may recognize, was um, about Van Halen. And uh, this is a story that when I first heard, they were talking about like, well, what kind of prima donnas they were that, you know, they even specified in their in their contract that when they would come to a, a venue. Jeffrey, I have to correct you. It's brown M&Ms. Oh, brown M&Ms. Was it really? It's oh, brown. man. We'll put the link in the show notes. That, thank you. I appreciate that. But, the, the, but the that's thing. precisely the sort of detail that someone might want to check. It's like, well, Jeffrey, he wasn't <laughs> sure whether it was green or brown. I'm not sure how well he did his research. Don't worry, I'm not going to beat you up like that. <laughs> but but also it was it was this story that yeah that they 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 were prima donna they wanted no brown M and M's uh, so they specified that they must have M and M's backstage as a treat but they 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 had to have no brown M and M's in the bowl. Oh, those rock stars! You know they're just such perfect perfectionists. They're they're probably going to trash the place when they're done. 
Yeah, but it was my, it was only it was decades later that I heard the rest of the story, which is that Van Halen was one of the first um, big you know uh, venue rock shows that would tour second tier cities. So they were often the first time you had a, such a big stage production in some of these smaller venues, and they there was huge safety concerns. They they could fall through the stage. The, the whole yeah, exactly. thing could collapse under the weight <laughs> of their drum kit or whatever it was. That's right. And so what they what they did is they added this clause uh, into their contract um, as, a, as a kind of a safety check. And, and the, the kind of venues where they were very diligent about having read all the terms of the writer that lays out all the things about how the, the stage needs to be set up, all the safety standards included. If they were diligent enough to, to read this and follow through on the M&Ms, then they probably had read <laughs> everything uh, closely and done what was needed. But if they came and saw brown M&Ms in the bowl, then they knew they were going to have to go through and check all of the items and make sure that it was going to be safe. And, and, and that's the, what, I, what, I, what I, I told this person I was coaching. I, well, I said it was green M&Ms. I said, when you come up and, and tell your story about what you want to do, they don't have time to analyze everything. You know, executives are busy, but they, and they want to be reassured. And so what they do is they, they look for the green M&Ms. They, they are going to ask some questions. It just, because there's a way to kind of reassure themselves that you've done your homework. And if you can demonstrate it, you're great. But if they find a green M&M, if they find something that doesn't add up, then suddenly they, it's like, okay, well, I guess we're gonna have to look at this much more closely and suddenly you're going to feel micromanaged, but it's because you kind of failed to establish trust. There you go. So I guess uh, our advice to our listeners is if you're feeling mistrusted and that could be you could be mistrusted by your developers. You might be outside technology and asking them to do something or it could be your inside technology and you're asking somebody else to trust you. Yes, we're building the right product. Yes, our replatform is a good idea. Make sure you're uh, dealing with your, your brown M&Ms that you know whether the, the dates are working on January and February 1900. Have all those things buttoned up and anticipate what your CEO, what your CFO, whoever it is that you're going to be going to, what are they going to ask you? If you have that buttoned up and ready, you're going to be in a much better condition for being trusted and then not having to do it in the future. That's right. Fantastic. Well, if listeners are in encountering that kind of difficulty, or if you have a different opinion, maybe you really like green or brown or whatever it is, M&Ms, <laughs> we, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at agileconversations.com. That's where you'll find us and our Twitter and our email and lots of things that you can get in touch with us with, free videos, mailing list to join, all that good stuff. And of course, we'll be back here next Wednesday for another edition of Troubleshooting Agile. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Squall. Well.